It's a new year. I don't believe in resolutions. But I do believe in the Bible tells us to write the vision, make it plain upon paper. It will be paper for today. Tablets then, but thank God we have pencil and paper now. We even got notepad on the, on the phone. We can just type it in. But it says write the vision and make it plain so he that reads it can run. That's a lot better than walking. Amen. You can get there faster running. Amen. He also says, in, in, in time to that, he says, I will get, get myself upon my watchtower, and I will look to see in what direction the Lord would have me be. A lot of times we have a lot of directions in life, a lot of directions in life, and there's a lot of distractions in life. How many of you have said to yourself, I'm going to do this? I, I want to do this. I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm going to learn to do this. Do you know that if you if you just applied uh, twenty minutes to something every day, you, every day, twenty minutes. Did you know within a year you would have more time under your belt on whatever you're doing than most professionals? Twenty minutes a day, so we have to look at. I had one man say, "How do you eat an elephant? You eat it one bite at a time." You know. So, what I'm encouraging you to do today is go home today and sometime this week sit down with your spouse, sit down with yourself first, meditate it. In my truck's a great place for me to meditate. Uh, this week, Pat didn't go with me, so I had quiet time. Not that Pat's shitty, you know. Not not that Pat's a chatty Kathy or anything, but I had quiet time going down, and so <laughs> Rick's really getting a kick out of that. You're laughing way too hard over there, <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and so I had an opportunity to think about some things, and, and what I did is I just made a list of five things, and then I went to Pat, and I said, I want you to make a list, and she listed five things. And then we sat down and we talked about it. And so by talking about it, I'm giving her accountability with me and she's giving me accountability with her on what we're going to do with my life this year, her life this year, instead of just another year going by. And then what in our marriage do we want to see? You know, you can privately in your life, you know, say, well, I wish we did more of this or we wish... We did more of that. I wish we were more like what we were when we were a couple years ago, you know, or a little more youthful. Well, I wish we, we want to do this together or whatever. You know, as you get a little older, there's some things you just can't do like you did when you were younger. Isn't that a shame? But anyway, uh, <laughs> but anyway, we sat down together and came up with a focus. Here's what happens to us. If we don't have something, God gave us a key to accomplish in life and have victory here. It's through Christ Jesus, but, it's, but, but through Christ Jesus, what is Christ Jesus? The anointed word. In other words, a revealed word. So how are we going to have victory over this life? How are we going to be overcomers? By the revealed word to us. In other words, he's telling us in his word, but it's got to be revealed to us. I'm revealing it to you this morning. Write the vision. Make it plain on paper. Then Pat and I now are, here's what God showed me. He said, Dean, if you don't do this, you'll be clouded. Everything, everything in life will, will, will distract you from what you really want to do. Because it's a quality decision. That list of five things is a quality decision. And they can evolve next year to part of that, but then some others to attach to that, to keep it at five, but there's just, it, we made it, it's, it's, we're in control of this. One of the things I put on there is read six books this year. 
this last year, I didn't read one book. That's the first year in a, that's the first year in a long time I didn't read one book. And that's something I've always done. Well, this year, I'm bumping that up. I'm going to get six books. Under, that's, only, that's only a book every two months. I mean, that's, that's doable, right? Surely it is. Even a slow learner like me can do one book every two months, you know. But understand, reading the right material equips you for the people around you in your life to encourage them, lift them up, and reveal Jesus Christ to them. Wow. So now is it worth investing in yourself to read the book so that, read the books so that you are equipped and then whenever you're with someone, you just have a better articulation on how to reach them? Absolutely. You're investing in yourself to invest in others. That's what I'm talking about, personal growth that allows you to be more prepared for the world out there to reach them with Jesus Christ. And so we're, we're, we put this together, and then God said, now, Dean, if you don't do it, here's what's going to happen. He says, nobody wants to lay down in their deathbed and say, man, I wish I'd have sold, wish I'd have sold more Debbie cakes. Man, I wish I'd have sold more Debbie cakes. You know what? That's not it. You know what you'll lay down there and say? Man, you know, in life, I wish I'd have just taken out time learning to play that guitar. I wish I'd have learned more poetry. I wish I'd learned another language. I wish that I would have, I would have, I would have taken her out and away from everything else. I wish I'd have broke away from work more and just spent it with my my wife. I wish I'd have, I'd have taken out that time and just slid everything aside and said, we're, "Son, we're going. We're taking the hunting trip. We're going," and done it. That's the things on your deathbed you're going to regret. Not, not. <laughs> You work to create a living. You don't create a living to work. You work to live, not live to work. And if you don't get a hold of that soon, all those distractions are going to blind you and fog you. And the only way to bring it clear is to have a focus. And here's what he told me. You know, the Bible says... He told the children of Israel, meditate on my word day and night. That didn't mean 24 hours a day. I thought it meant 24 hours a day forever. You know, I, that's just what I thought it meant. And God said, that's not what I meant at all. He said, what I want you to do, son, before you pick up that phone in the morning, don't look at that phone until you first look at your focused list that you're going to do this year. Oh. He said, now, that's the first thing you do. Don't look at a text message. Don't answer a phone call. You don't do anything till you first look at that. And then before you go to bed at night, before you close your eyes and sleep, you focus on that. And now, and here's what I want you to do. What today am I going to do to get that accomplished? And then at night, what did I do today that got that accomplished? He said, as you focus on that, you're going to see yourself operating and doing just the desires of your heart that I've put in. He put those desires in your heart. That's why in, at death we regret because those are the desires he really put in our heart. He really didn't put the desire in my heart to sell more Debbie cakes. I'm sorry. He didn't put in my heart to, to have the desire to preach his word. That's what I do. Who I am is what I, what, what, those are the desires of my heart. That's who I become. Come on. Is everybody getting this? So what, what do you do about that? If you don't do something, it will just go into another year. And then another year, and then another year, and then another year. And he, and, and he says, stop right now, this year. And so I did. So I'm just sharing that with you. Now we'll go on to the message. That was free. That was the prelude. And now we, we, got the, we got this right. Remember, these right here, remember these stones? We talked about them being a, a stones of offense. That's how we negatively labeled them last week. But then I ended up calling them memory stones, right? Stones of memory. Did you know every stone you have in your heart right now, in your mind, your, 
your will and emotions, all those things, they're either stone, they're all stones of memory. Some are good memories and some are not good memories. Some are of offense and some are of blessing. Amen? And what happens is when we have that mixture in us, we become unsuccessful and there's a war going on on the inside of us all the time. I, it, I would that I do good, but I don't. And, and I would that I didn't do, do bad, and I do. There's the battle right there. It's in the memory stones in your life. How do I deal with this? And how do I get them plucked out of my life? And how do I fill my life with the stones of memory of God's blessing in my life? I mean, that'd be my question today if I knew there were two kinds of stones. Is that your, is that your question today? How do we get, how do we, how do we start seeing the blessing outnumber the offense until finally the offense, the offenses are gone? How do we do that? Okay. I'm glad you asked. These are really not good um, examples because these are actually landscaping blocks. But what I want you to imagine on these, because I couldn't pick up three landscaping blocks and put them in this bucket and bring them in here. That's why I have these. So you're going to have to use your imagination today as these are simply foundation blocks. These are, are like the foundation stones that you have right underneath your house. Uh, many of you may have a concrete slab. Um, the same kind of um, uh, idea. But I want you to think about these as we go into this today. If you got your Bible, I'd like for you to go to, um, we're going to start out with uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Matthew 7, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into heaven's kingdom. It is only those who persist in doing the will of my heavenly Father. Notice uh, this translation. I love this translation. It's the Passion Translation. Notice it's those that are not doing the will of the God because when we get into that direction and that kind of preaching, I'm just going to have to ask you how many of us are doing the will of God. The preacher who's screaming that you're not going to enter into the kingdom of God if you don't do the will of God is the same one not doing the will of God. Accomplishing the will of God is a pursuit, and it's a daily pursuit. This is where when we fail, we feel like quitting because we're not accomplishing. And listen, when you became a dad and a mom, you were a parent, right? Is there anything to take that away from you being a parent? Nothing. You're a mom and you're a dad. That's just the way it is. And you're going to be stuck with these children for the rest of your life. Amen? In the beginning, when they first come out, I mean, you just feel like angels are singing and, the, and God's standing right beside you. The preciousness of that child and, and oh my goodness, just it's here. You grandmas and grandpas, I, we all know how that feels. They arrived, and look at this, the beauty. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. But we don't have that quite that same feeling when they scream all night long, night after night, messy diapers at really inopportune times, hungry, wet. I mean, it's just constant care and care and care. Because this little child has nobody else but you to depend on. And you're just taking care of this. And I've told I've, you know, parents that come and that their struggles in the marriage. And, and it all comes back to when they had kids. Everything was great until the kids came. And then when the kids came, you know, dad's not happy because he's not having what he had before the kids got there. Mom's not happy because dad's not helping mom with the kids, you know, so she, can, so she can be at rest to be able to do the things dad wants to do. And I mean, it's just, a, you, know, you see, there's serious, serious marital problems in that. 
And walking through all of that, you've not even made it to the, to the, to the three-year-old, the two-year-old. You've not made it to the teenager and the hormones start kicking in. You haven't made it to the first date yet. You've not made it through college yet. You've not made it through the sleepless nights of them going out on, out on a date and, and they're driving your car for the first time. And they're going into another town that they've not driven by themselves before. And you're sitting at home waiting for them to get there and waiting for them to get back. You've not even lived through that yet. You've not lived through the experience of counseling with them as they're trying to make serious decisions. Or maybe they've made a mistake and there's a premarital pregnancy. Or there's a, an addiction of some kind. You've not even made it there yet. And even though you haven't made it there yet and haven't successfully walked all those roads yet, guess what? When that child is conceived in your wife's belly, you are still a mama and a daddy. This is what he's talking about here. It's the ones, he says, the ones who are going to walk in the kingdom of God are those who are persistently going forward in him. Because you are not everything you're going to be, and you're not everything you're going to be by, by the end of the year of 2024. You're going to grow even more. Amen? Haven't you grown so much since the time? You know how you grow? You get out from underneath sin preaching. You cannot grow under sin preaching. You can't do it. Paul said it's the goodness of God that leads a man to transform or to repent. Repentance is not I'm sorry, come to the altar, cry out, scream. And all. You, know that, you know what that is? Do you know what all that is? You know what that bowing your head and repeat after me and now you're saved? Uh, oh, if, 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 and, and that, that message of, you know, uh, this may be the last day you tie your shoelaces and you better get to the altar and, and God could come before you get out the door and all that stuff. Do you know what that is? That is the American church. And where we came up with that mess, I don't know. That is not how they won them to the Lord in the, in, in the book of Acts. Repentance comes from a transformation of your mind about God and toward God, not about your sin and about your salvation and your rescue from hell. That's not what this is about. That is a benefit. Praise God, we all ought to be running around the building once in a while just the thought we don't, we don't get to go to hell. Hey, that's awesome. We're not going to hell. But it's more than that. And this is why we've got Christians, Christians in the pews all over America that are dealing with offenses and they can't get past it. And in those offenses, in the next week or two, you're going to see how where it leads to this right here. And how do we deal with these offenses? It is our building blocks inside of us that have been put inside of us. And I remember my dad, we had an old shack of a house we lived in. When we, moved, when we finally, dad got a good job at the mines, never forget it. Uh, it's just like, you know, the light came on for the Hammonds family. Dad got a really great job. He's working two jobs. Mom was working two jobs. They were doing everything they could to, to, to keep us fed, clothed, and, and we live in this little shack of a home. Uh, when I say that, my mom just, it drives her crazy. She's not here today, so she don't get to hear this, but it drives my mom crazy because my mom does not like to think about the days when she would, we would sit there on the bed at night while Dad was working at Norge, and she sat there with an ink pen or a marker or something, blue marker, and try to fill in the light spots in his jeans. Try to m not make them look so bad, which she was just making them look worse. She just didn't, you know. She just trying to do the best she could, you know, because they're wearing out. And she's trying to cover up them those threadbare clothes. And when Dad got that great job and, and we started working on a home, we got a home for nearly nothing, 
and we gutted it out and rebuilt the whole thing and turned it into a beautiful place. Ended up with a beautiful place to live in, a uh, swimming pool in the back. It was just wonderful. And uh, But when we moved out of that house, you know the first thing they did to it? Bulldozed it. That's the house I, that, that's the house we live in. You know, when they bulldoze your house after you leave, you, you can safely call that a shack. You know, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and God was just so faithful to us through those, those years. But I remember at one time, we were having trouble on one corner of the house over by the kitchen, and Dad looked at it and said, we got to remove all these blocks out. And that whole, I mean, it, it wasn't a very big house. But as a child remembering, it looked like a lot, but it probably wasn't, you know. But we removed all of these blocks, and he had me out there helping him and working with him. He had to put jack posts in around, all around that kitchen and then pull out that whole corner around that kitchen and back porch and put in brand new stone. And I've never forgot that. I believe that that was, a, that was just for me, for you today. We sometimes are going to have to pull out the stones that have been put in our life. And we're going to have to rebuild them. And I'm going to tell you, the church's job, the church's job is not to preach a salvation message to get you born again. The church's job is to remove those stones that are in your life and replace them. That's a bigger job. It's not just so simple as uh, you're a sinner, you're no good, you're going to hell and preach it so hot so that you are all nervous and shaken back there. And then when I say, the altar is open, come receive your salvation, and you run to the altar. Where, where is that even in the Bible? That that's the methodology we're supposed to use to get people saved. Where is that in the Bible? Where did we come up with that? When I think about it, I think, oh, my goodness. And I've, I've operated that way. I have. When I didn't know any better. Here's the deal. It's bigger than that. And here, just, just, we're just going to finish this out real quick. I've got to get moving. Um, he says, only those who persist. Pursue and persist in doing the will of my heavenly Father are going to enter into the heaven, heaven's kingdom. On the day of judgment, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, don't you remember us? Didn't we prophesy in your name? <coughs> the actual translation there is, didn't we preach the gospel? Didn't we cast demons and out and, and do many miracles in your name? But I will have to say to them, go away from me, you lawless rebels. I've never been joined. I've never been joined to you. Everyone who hears my teaching and applies it to his life can be compared to a wise man who built his house on unshakable foundation. When the rains fell and the floods came, the, f the fierce winds beating upon his house it stood firm because of its strong foundation. Remember, they had no root in themselves because of their offenses. And because they had no root in themselves, they could not, they grew up fast, but as soon as persecution came, what happens with root system if it's healthy if there's deafness in them, the only way to get the deafness is get these out. How are we going to get these out? We get these in us because of our, our, our knowledge of faith. It's a result of our faith as to whether these stones are stones that, that produce blessing or they're stones of offense that keep us from growing. It is our faith. The Bible tells us, and I'm going to just cut close real quick to this because I don't have time. I'm going to finish this verse. When the winds are beating and fierce and the storm is, what happens when you're, when you're 
root system is not deep, when the storms come, the tree can easily be blown over. Watch this. He says, uh, um, but everyone who hears my teaching and does not apply. See, the whole thing of the church and what our responsibility is, is to, 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 to articulate a message that produces growth. It produces um, expansion, and, and you begin to, to, your roots begin to grow out deeper to help you. And, and here's how, by knowledge, are your, are your barns filled with all pleasant and precious riches? Without knowledge, my people are destroyed. <coughs> That's pretty simple. Knowledge is supposed to come into the church through revelation and truth, by love. When this takes place, <coughs> what we're doing is we're focusing on your foundation. Now, here's what the foundation, the Bible talks about the foundation. You can go to 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. You can read that on your own. I certainly would advise you to get the Passion Translation to try to get some of it. But he talks about <coughs> the four, the three building blocks: faith, hope, and love. And that's these three right here that I want you to see as representation today: faith, hope, and love. Those are the three foundation blocks. Let me just explain to you now what we're talking about. Faith, the right kind of faith, the godly kind of faith, the definition of that is trust based on a personal experience and or knowledge of truth. Hope, the expectation based upon faith. Selfless love, love, definition of love. Boy, that's a tough one. You ever sit down and try to define love? What's love? What is it? You know where every definition of love that I found out there was a feeling. But God is love and he can't be a feeling. So this is what God gave me on love. Selflessness embodied with the expression and commitment of truth, a basic need of the human and received through hope. These are the foundation blocks for any and every relationship to be built on. If your marriage is not built on truth, if it's full of, of, of something else, I'm going to show you what here. Now I'm just going to let you be the judge. I'm not here to judge other churches. I'm not here to judge other ministries. I'm just giving you the truth. Because now here is what so much happens. Untruths are half-truths. If you've been built and your foundation has been installed with half-truths or untruths, here's what it looks like. The same stones, instead of faith, hope, and love, which faith, understand, faith is just, it is just knowledge. Is it truth or untruth or half-truth? This is what we've got to be careful of. Because if it is a half-truth or an untruth, here's what it produces. Now, I went to church all my life, and this is what I've seen the majority of growing up. Misunderstanding, my faith was built on misunderstandings and false narratives. My hope turned into confusion, uncertainty of the will and the purpose of God. How many of you have heard somebody say, or you said it yourself, I'm seeking the will of God? 
Do you know that's a false narrative? The Bible says for you to know the will of God, not to seek the will of God. To know the will of God. It is for us to know him. And then we know what he, see, then we're building our hope, the expectancy of what's going to happen when we pray based upon what we know of God, not misinformation. What happens? What happens in too many Christians' life is they're praying with confusion and uncertainty because they're not sure of what the will and purpose of God is. Do you know what those two things produce? Okay, here we go. Fear. Misunderstanding, confusion, and fear. Fear produces torment and poor judgment. Fear, the definition of fear, is false evidences appearing real. They, when I started preaching what I'm preaching today, they told me, you can't pull out a couple scriptures and define God like that. Define him as good. Well, you're pulling out a couple scriptures and defining him as bad. Mean, angry, frustrated, and fed up. And, and that, I found out that's not the God that saved me. He's not mean. He's not frustrated. He's not angry. And he's not fed up with me. Matter of fact, when I found out what the definition of love was, here's what the definition of love is. It is actually the opposite of fear. Perfect love casts out fear. So when we begin to know the goodness of God, which is the goodness of love, we begin to cast out fear because we get a, a proper foundation in us of faith and who he really is. Realizing he's never been disappointed in us because he knew us from our beginnings to our endings. How can you disappoint somebody? You know why as a parent you get disappointed? Because you instill all these things in this child, and then they go out on their own, they do something completely the opposite. And you're, man, that's disappointing. God can't be disappointed like that, because he already knows what you're going to do. But he has a plan to turn it around. He has a plan to change it. What's that plan? To instill in you truth. Because truth will develop healthy faith in God, a healthy knowledge of God. And then you'll know what to expect out of him. And when you know what to expect out of him, you are at peace. Because love produces peace. And now we're on a sure foundation by which where God can build the house. But when we build the house on unsure foundation, see what happens is the anointing is so powerful in you. Say it with me right now. The anointing is so powerful inside me that I am capable, by faith, laying hands on someone, they will be healed. And then they lose their healing. Do you know how, why they lose their healing? Misinformation, confusion, and fear. God comes along and here, do you know some of the major healing meetings, people who just seem to be anointed, they got a revelation of healing, and just healing takes place in their ministry. Everywhere they go, people get out of wheelchairs, people get healed of this, people get healed of that, and they're delivered. You know some of these guys, I've read in depth in their ministry, because anybody who does anything, if, if, if you're putting up doors, Rick, you and Luke, you, you Lucas, you're putting up doors, and, and whatever you do in life, and, and, and that that's what you're doing. And if you've got a pattern down the road that these doors keep 
we keep having trouble with them. And it's not long before they're having to be replaced. Aren't you going to at some point in time sit back and go, okay, now we're going to have to go to the manufacturer. We're going to have to look at how we're installing. We're going to have to look at our materials. We're going to have to start looking at what are the what's happening. Our foundations, are they, are, are, are they having problems with their homes? Are they having problems with their slab work? Is there somebody doing the slab work that's consistently doing the slab work that we're doing work on afterwards? And then it just seems like all the time we're having problems. We got to find out what the issue is here. Okay? Right? These ministries started doing, started getting, that's why when you get healed in those ministries, they want your name. They want your phone number. They want your address. Why? We want to check on you six months from now. Are you still out of your wheelchair? If you're not out of your wheelchair, what is going on? Because the healing power of God is healing life, and it's supposed to stay. What's going on? We're not looking to find fault with somebody. We're trying to find the fault. Because it's hard for people to, to continue building their proper faith in him if God does something for them and then turn around and it's gone. What happened? How did it get stolen? You know what we're finding out over and over again? People are getting outside of that mess and they're running someplace where they can find their deliverance and they get their deliverance, but they go right back to the mess. And the mess keeps giving them misinformation, building confusion, and producing fear and torment. If God will heal you and restore you, is your body more important to God or is your soul more important to God? If he will heal you, how much more will he restore you? And the purpose of the healing is he loves you. And he's drawing you to himself to love you even more. He doesn't want to just heal your body. He wants to heal everything. That's what he wants to do. But because we have had these stones put on us, can I tell you, I'm going to break something here that just, I've said it for years, heard it the other day on a reel, and I thought, man, that's pretty good stuff. Jason and I have been saying this forever. Denominations receive, every one of them have a, 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 a wonderful beginning. Every one of them. Great revelation and revival came in and brought the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the Pentecostals. The power of salvation in the Baptists. Restoration with the Lutherans. I mean, there's just, you can go down the line. There was great revelation in each one of them. You know what each one of them did? They built religion in it. And it became the only message they had when God said no. That was just part of the message climbing. All those little decorated stones are very important in your life and you need to have them in there. But you need to keep growing. You know what Kenneth Hagin told them before he died? The greatest word of faith minister that we've had in our lifetime in this, in this last hundred years. Before he died, he looked at all of them and said, now I've given you what I know, go get more. And you know what they did? Stayed right where they were at, sticking right to what they're, sticking to their guns, preaching the same message. When the grace message came in, they went, no, no, that's different. Kenneth Hagin said, Kenneth Hagin said, Kenneth Hagin said, you know what Kenneth Hagin said? He said, all the hell I went through preaching the faith message to turn this thing around and take us to another level. There's another message coming, and it's going to take you to another level because it's not about Kenneth Hagin. It is about Jesus Christ. And he said, grow from what I've given you. In other words, take it and step up with it. Let it use, use it as a foundation stone and move on and grow. Did they? Oh my gosh, I've watched them. I've sat in the congregation and watched them get up and walk out on a grace message. 
walk out the, out the door because that's not what Kenneth Hagin preached. Faith without works is dead. You know what that produces? What once was a wonderful, wonderful message turns into misinformation about who God is. Every revelation has built us stronger in who he And we denominationalize, and when we turn it into works, and, re, and we turn it into religion, and we denominationalize it, and then we try, try to institutionalize it, and then we put a name on it, and then we say we're better than everybody else. We got more than everybody else does. Misinformation. What's misinformation produce? Confusion. What's confusion produce? Fear. Every time you have, do you know why, why uh, 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 these terrorists come in, these terrorist cells come in, and they do massive things? They create confusion. When confusion comes in, it produces fear. When fear has its full, it produces torment and poor decisions. You get a government going mad and they figure that out with the people, they'll start producing confusion. And then they'll give you the decision they want you to make because it'll be a poor one, but they'll tell you there'll be peace in it. Amen? And the next thing you know, you're in bondage. You're enslaved. And that's the devil's tactics is to get you misinformed. You know what the biggest mistake they made with me is I found out I could read the Bible. I found out it wasn't the pastor's job to read the Bible all the way through. I'm going to read the Bible. And for me, did I sit down, when I say I read the Bible several times, let me make a confession here. Much of it I didn't physically, well, I have read all of it physically, paper. But most of my reading was done on CD. But I knew that CD was right because I'd already read the, the written. And I knew I wasn't missing anything on my CD. But on that CD, I learned better CD. You might learn better visual. You might learn better just reading. You, however you retain it, that's what you go after. Because it's not about doing what somebody else tells you you got to do. It is about receiving from God in the level that you can receive. And for me, I have to hear it five or six times before it becomes part of me. And I knew I didn't have time running around, raising children, trying to go in the ministry, do what God's called me to do. I had to go get And I went out and I spent, back then, I spent more on them CDs than you all did. Because today, the technology, man, whenever I went in there, I was investing a couple hundred dollars in myself. I remember calling my wife at the bookstore and saying, hey, hon, I found the Bible on CD. They can order it special for me. Well, great. That's wonderful. You'll learn better that way. I said, yes, I will. She says, how much is it? Oh, is that how much? How much was that? Back then, that was, you know, that was a light bill and a grocery bill <laughs> for the month. She said, uh, or almost, you know, go ahead, go ahead and purchase it. You need it. And, she, and, and, and that's the support I got. And I purchased it, and I wore, it was tapes back then, and I literally wore those tapes out till they wouldn't work anymore. Feeding on the Word of God. Building a foundation of a trust in him of who he really is. And then, without misinformation, when I have true faith, now I have a hope, an expectancy based on who he is and not what somebody else told me he was. Now... 
I can now love can work in me. Amen. Because what did I say love was? Watch this. Selfless, embodied, with the expression and commitment of truth. If we're trying to love people and we don't, and we're, we're trying to love people under a misunderstanding, a confusion and fear, it's not going to come out right. It's not going to feel like love. It's not going to, it's going to be harsh. It's going to be cold. It's going to be uh, willfully, you know, driving because we're trying to produce it ourselves. Folks, I'm telling you, these foundations right here, for me, I had to tear them all out. I had, I had, I had, to, I had to pull them all out, all of them, and let God rebuild them and put them in anew. Amen. If now, see, when you're dealing with someone and they're confused. They're struggling about the will of God. What is his will? Guess what? Now you know. Wherever they're going to church and however they're living their life, that these are the stones they have in them. Now you're not going to fix them until, until it is revealed to them that they've got to get those stones replaced with faith, hope, and love. God's building stones. You can talk to him. Have you ever talked to somebody? And they just tell you, well, I don't, I don't know if God will do that. You know what's happened? They've been taught. It has been layered in them, misinformation. It's brought confusion. When they read the Bible themselves, they read it and they see the goodness of God. But they go back and they hear nothing but condemnation and harshness and sin preached. And you've got it. It's more of a, it's more of a, a, um, a, um, uh, a works what you've got to do to produce, then they're confused. And that confusion produces fear. And fear has torment, and it steals, and it takes away. Perfect love, you cannot receive from God and keep what God has for you if you're fearing him at the same time, if you're fearful of what he's going to do next. We've got to get the foundation right. When the foundation gets right, these start coming out. They start coming to the surface. How many of you grow in a garden, tilled it up, pulled out a bunch of stones? Our home sits in a piece of property where the, the tornado, the big tornado of the early, early 80s, late 70s came through Marion. And, and we decided we're going to put a garden in. So I went and borrowed Dad's tiller. We went through there, and I mean, Judy, there were bricks, rocks, glass, all kinds of stuff. Well, we went through that dirt, and we, we raked it and tilled it and raked it and tilled it, and we thought we had it all out. Thought we got it all out. We put a garden in. The next year, we went in there, and we just, we just walking in the garden by the end of the summer, and there's glass coming up out of the ground. It was working its way out. It wasn't gone yet. It looked like it was gone. But it wasn't gone yet. We had to keep tending to that. After three or four years, we just about had it all out. What happens when we get the proper foundation? The stones start working their way up and start exposing themselves, and we can start taking them out. Amen. Amen. When you're dealing with somebody, you've got to know what you're dealing with when you're talking to them. Because you don't want to overpower them with something that their foundation can't handle. And for some people, they just came by you too late. They don't have enough time in what they've got left here on this earth. They don't have enough time to get that foundation laid out. Isn't that, isn't that a shame? But you know what we do when we run into that situation? We love them all the way through. We don't, we don't try to force something on them that they can't fix in that, that amount of time. They just can't do it. And some people will never turn away from their misinformation. 
they really believe that's true. When it's clearly in the Bible not that way. What do you do in that situation? You prayed for them, they got healed, and they stay with their misinformation. You can't get tied up with that. You have to keep loving them and praying for them. And now you know how to pray for them. Father, I pray that their foundation is shaken and, Father, it's relayed for them. See, we know how to pray. When we know how to pray, now we're praying according to the will of God. And when we can pray according to the will of God, he says he hears us and he answers. So we don't get frustrated with them. We get frustrated with what's been built in them. And then we were able to focus on that and do something with it. Next week, I'm going to show you what this is all about. That right there. And that's that right there is... How many of you ever heard that bondages are tough? Strongholds are rough. Man, you almost... People go all the way to traveling across the nation to have somebody pray for them that can break the stronghold. Amen? Break the chains. Lay hands on me. Set me free. I'm going to show you the easiest way to get set free. It is not that hard. It is not that hard. You can get set free of alcoholism. I mean, in a... Just as fast as that just fell to the ground, you can get set free of alcoholism. You can get set free of homosexuality. Yeah, I said it. You can get set free of homosexuality that fast. You can set, get set free of your, 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 anything that you're addicted to that's killing you that fast. I'm going to show it to you next week. Praise God. We had to get here first. Let's get the misinformation out. Let's, get, let's find out what the Bible actually says. Who, what does God say he is? Amen. Is that all right today? Father, we thank you for your word. We love you today. We praise you. We worship you. Father, we're pressing. Father, we are those who are, going to, who, are, who, are, who are inheriting the kingdom of God. We are those who are actively inheriting the kingdom of God because, Father, we are those who are pressing forward to know you more and to have a relationship with you, to know who we are in you and know who you are. And, Father, we give you the praise and the glory and the honor for it. It is all you. And, Father, you've done it all for us. And we just praise you today and glorify you. I pray they all go home in peace. They all go home, Father, safely. And, Father, let 2024 be the best year they've ever experienced in you. In Jesus' name. God bless you. We'll see you next week.